I live and breathe and have made my career on technology helping accelerate everything we're doing. So I am a hundred percent believer that it can be added. What gets lost is people think the technology is the solution. Hey, welcome back. I am so thrilled. There's a couple of people in my mind as I record this uh, little setup for the episode today. One is Cliff Ravenscraft. Uh, Cliff is a uh, professional podcaster, and he has uh, he 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 does courses on, on how to get up and started. And I've never taken one to be honest, but I'm a fan of his work. And I saw him speak. Actually, I saw a recording of, of him speak not too long ago. And he said, "Listen, if you're if you have ten people listening, you should be thankful for that audience." because they take time to listen to you, and, and the more your audience increases, that's the more grateful you ought to be. So I'm kind of having that sense today, because, you know, I have probably about a 1,000 people a month end up tuning into the show, which is great, and, and I'm thrilled, right? But I'm even more thrilled because I have that opportunity to share what I'm learning in these conversations with those 1,000 people. So thank you if you're a listener. Second person is this guy, Jay Kunzo, who hosts a show called uh, unthinkable. It's worth checking out. You should go to iTunes and look up Unthinkable. I think you'll like it, especially if you believe that there's a creative nature to what you do. And I don't mean creative um, uh, the business itself, but the creative element of what you're doing. So Jay does a really good job of um, of covering that. And why I bring Jay up is because he, he produces his show pretty well. He thinks it through. He understands his topic. He he scripts his language around what he's going to build, and then he, he records it. So I thought to myself today, and trust me, there's a point to the story, so stick with me. I thought to myself today, you know, I'm going to start producing my show a little bit more, um, dis- get a little, bit, a little bit more discipline, and I'll script it out, and I'll come up with kind of the topic that I receive from my guest. So I sat down to cut this episode up with Mike Weatherup, and I thought, you know, no, I'm not going to do that because... It's just an interview show, right? And all I try to do is facilitate the wisdom that comes from my guests, right? In other words, I, I do some prep work before we get on air or to record the show. It's not live. It's recorded. And I try to just navigate and guide the conversation. So it's kind of like a tour guide, if you will, right? And I think that this episode is exactly why I do it because Brock covers – first of all, he takes – makes my questions sound great. You know, not that my questions are great, but he really dives into every essence and nuance of what I'm asking him. And he covers the gamut from startups to large organizations, managing and empowering people, why the mission matters. You heard at the beginning a little uh, cold open there that he talks about the importance of not placing all your eggs in the technology basket, but understanding indeed that technology is never the solution. It's only the enabler to where your solution truly lies. So there is so much packed in. I'm so thrilled to be able to extend uh, Brock's reach a little bit by maybe talking to some people that never heard of him. Uh, he's, I'm in the Philadelphia area. People in and around this area certainly know who Brock is. But I'm hoping that you're going to learn something, as I did from Brock, and I'm also hoping you're going to come away from this thinking, you know what, I am glad I tuned in today to Leading Matters. So if that is the case, let me know. I'm always a fan of affirmation, so let me know if you've gained a little something. Always happy to receive a review on the show on iTunes, so go ahead and do that. But most importantly, save the episode, listen to the entire thing, because I guarantee you that you're going to take away from this episode something new, something actionable that you can apply to your career, to your professional life, to your teams, to your business. Okay, that's it. Enjoy this chat that I was able to have with Brock Weatherup.
My guest today is a CEO and entrepreneur, angel investor, and a passionate advocate for the consumer, in particular how the consumer interacts with digital media and e-commerce. He's the managing partner of Ate Ventures, Angel Investments. He volunteers as the president of Philly Startup Leaders, is the co-founder of Iconic, which is an early-stage NYC-based Israeli accelerator, and he currently heads Pet Coach, where he's also co-founder. I know, by the way, he's had a very successful exit just over a year ago, selling his company Pet360 to PetSmart. He is Brock Weatherup, and I'm sincerely grateful to have him on the show today. Brock, welcome to Leading Matters. I'm happy to be here. Excited to have a conversation. Yeah, me too. Listen, you know what, Brock? I want to jump right into it because um, – and I want to get to Pet Coach in just a bit because I'm really intrigued by what you've got going on there. But I want to start by exploring your experience in the startup world first, and, and let me give you some context to that. You see, I, I've had entrepreneurs and startups on the show before, but I've always kind of focused in on, on their current situation or their current – you know what they've got going on. But I want to take advantage of, of your – broad experience as someone with a successful exit or two under their belt, actively mentoring startups, doing some angel investment, investing. So that, that's a unique set of uh, skills and experience that I've not yet had on the show. So for the benefit of my audience that might not be as, as familiar with that world, what I want to start off with is what are, the, what are the couple of things that you've discovered over the course of that experience that, that would really help any leader out? Like the, the one or two nuggets that are applicable beyond, that kind of transcend just the startup world. Yeah, I think, you know, there's a couple kind of, uh, to me, really big things about it. And one is um, a very high level of self-awareness. And we can talk about that a little bit more later, but just kind of who, who, who are you? What do you care about? What do you get passionate about? What are you excited about? Like being very self-aware and usually when somebody is fairly self-aware, they find their path to success because they know what gets them motivated, what gets them excited, what gets them passionate. And sure. if you don't bring all those things together, you really can't quite get there. So that's kind of one thing. Um, and then the other side is, you know, just the the, the, the reality of the startup world is it can look really sexy and it can look really intriguing and it can really like have this, you know, wonderful, everybody's going to be the next Mark Zuckerberg and, sure. you know, but it's really hard <laughs> and you need, and with that, in order to really be, in my opinion, a great, successful startup entrepreneur, I think you need a rich, what, what, what I call your, you know, what, what's your immediate team. And it doesn't mean necessarily people that you work with. It's your spouse, it's your friends, it's your kids, it's your parents, it's mentors. Because that group is the one that's going to be there through you through thick and thin. And you're going to go through thick and thin. So those are kind of the big things for me just you know, you know, outside of all the other kind yeah. of traditional pieces of Hey, you got to find the right market fit and all that sort of fun stuff that you sure. can read about 55 ways to Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> sure. No, well, look, I'm really glad I asked the question, right? Because uh, I wanted, I definitely wanted to dive into that a little bit and I'll, I'll get into some more nuance in, in just a bit. But I, let me, let me ask it to you this way, right? I, I worked for SAP during the early stages of Bill McDermott's kind of rise there in his tenure where he was first leading sales in the Americas. And, and I'm not sure if you know Bill, but, but he was a, a really big advocate of motivating the workforce as if they were the entrepreneur or the CEOs of, of their own little area of the business. And and what I've just heard you say that I, it's funny because I, I hear I hear exactly what you said a lot. Self awareness and oh by the way, you know, the people you're with make a big difference, right? Um, and I don't but I don't see that translated 
too frequently across the normal corporate execution of a team or whatnot. And again, I think McDermott did a pretty good job of that. But but I do wonder, and I'd love to get your opinion on this. Do you think the idea of having the quote unquote entrepreneurial spirit about what we're doing or being our quote unquote personal CEO is is an overused cliche where it's kind of lost merit or or, or even meaning? I think it, uh, A, I, I definitely think it's being overused and not because it's not important. <laughs> uh, I think it's overused in the sense of people think that they're doing it. Um, you know, it used to be for a while it was called empowerment, right? And then mm-hmm. it was, you know, kind of empowerment turned into a little bit more of, okay, how do you create, you know, great, you know, kind of uh, goals and objectives and really kind of get people kind of understanding what that is. And then it was really more about, well, how do you bring those two things together? And I think that's where kind of the, the concept of entrepreneurialism came together. Um, and then in parallel, you have this sort of, you know, dynamic of kind of individual focus, which gets to this kind of personal CEO type sure. scenario. Um, so I think, but but the the challenge is to be a to be able to really do that with teams and businesses. You need exceptional leadership. It's mm-hmm. not something everyone can do. Everyone thinks they can, and everyone you know. There's a large group of people in the world that think they're empowering people when, in fact, they're doing exactly the opposite, and they're or they're trying to create that entrepreneurial spirit because it's exciting and interesting. And then they don't allow those people to fail, sure. um, and don't support them when they fail. And a fundamental point of entrepreneurship is going out and failing as much as you're succeeding, and hopefully figuring out which is which and why. Um, and that's a very hard thing for large organizations to get comfortable with because typically the personalities, you end up with more hierarchical organizations. They end up wanting to be making their boss look better. It's really about the presentation mm-hmm. in a lot of those scenarios. So the, the, the situation in larger organizations is hard to do. And, you know, so I, 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 I don't know Bill, and, you know, but, you know, I've heard a lot about kind of what they've done there. But people who can facilitate that sort of organization inside larger places, a place like Starbucks to me creates that in a really phenomenal way, right? And just has over and over and over again really presented those types of scenarios and made them great. And then, you know, there's plenty of examples where, you know, it's not quite as much, even though it's a lot of the vernacular of the office environment or culture, because people think they need to do that to recruit the millennial as the next workforce, yeah. right? Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. like well, you got to either be genuine or not. Yeah. You can't just kind of put it on the poster board and say, well, we are that. You know, you actually have to be it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's like the old, uh, you know, the placards around the uh, building that, that tout the values and the mission, but, you know, it doesn't go much further than the ink on the paper, right? Exactly, exactly. But let me ask you, you know, from you, because you've got the benefit of having, you know, done both larger, you know, organizational type hierarchical areas as your business has grown. And obviously you're doing, you know, you're with a startup today that you founded. Uh, how, how did, how did Brock whether you know, manage that as far as engaging the workforce from a from a place of of being purposeful about what the intent is of the organization. I mean, what what have you done? Because look, there's a lot of nuance in there in that response, right? There's the, it takes real leadership. There's so much surfacey type stuff about leadership, but really the nitty gritty of rolling your sleeves up where you make that a reality. I mean, that I sometimes I think there's a deficit in in how we learn to do that. So what what did you do in that area? 
Yeah, look, it's it's a lot of little pieces. Um, you know, I, I I was uh super lucky to, you know, gr- grow up with an amazing father um who not not only was a great dad but was, you know, also happened to be great in business. Um and he just, you know, he really instilled and really pushed just as, at a foundational level just like, you know, be be who you are. Be be knowledgeable, be humble, be excited, be interested, be engaged. Mm. Um, and when you start to pull all of that together, and I think if you really do create an engaged and purposeful environment um, for your teams, you really have gone through and created, you're, you're genuine. Um, and part of being genuine is we're all, we all have failure. Um, you know, we all suck at certain things. We're all pretty darn good at some other things too, and that's okay. But we're not good at all. Sure. We're definitely not right about everything. We, you know, and and finding that sort of dynamic. And people want to be engaged with other folks that are, you know, enjoyable, engaged, and interested. And so I, I think probably underneath all that, I've really focused on kind of just, you know, look, I, I, I hate to say because it, it sounds so simple, but just like being a good person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. It's, it's, I hear that a lot from really great leaders as well is that, listen, the, the humility aspect of what we're doing and serving for the sake of service first, which nobody really wants. Everybody says they want to do it, but at the end of the day, when we want to advance our own goals or whatnot, and you said early on about, you know, being self-aware. I mean, I mean, look, not to get like too philosophical about it here, right? But if we, what what is it in us or, or the people that you've led or the people you've worked with that prohibits us from seeing the value of being first and foremost service-oriented for no other reason than to truly serve those that we seek to do business with? You know, it, it, it's really like, I, I would describe it as how do you live and act a purpose-driven life? Um and that sort of term meaning like I, I know what and why. Look, there, there are like I always tell people like, you know, you walk into a meeting and, you know, sometimes like what 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 leader do you need to be at that moment? Because it doesn't you, you can't be the same one at all times. Look, there are there are times where I have knowingly gone into a meeting with a bunch of people and I've been kind of a prick. Like I've, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't look, I don't, I don't get angry very often, but like I've gotten really angry. I've pounded on the desk and I've probably done it five times in my life and I know why I did it. Sure. Um, but there's also other times where you need to direct the team. There's other times where you need to just shut up and listen. Um, and you know, the, 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 the importance of, you know, kind of being involved and being engaged and being, you know, kind of just again, really just being aware and trying to, you know, make all of those things a reality um, in kind of your life and your interaction, um, you know, is really what builds the foundation for it. And I think people get lost in kind of like, they think it's money, mm. right? Or they think it's power. Um, and there are definitely those people. And to me, those people have ceilings. They sure. have definitive ceilings, some exceptions, but they usually have other skills that take them past that. But if people are really about the money, they show themselves very quickly. If they are all about the being perfect, they'll show themselves. If it's all about power, they'll show themselves. You know, and, and all those things kind of come out and then you lose the people that you're around. And so, you know, I think what gets lost in a lot of people's direction is like what like look, what's important to you? Like what is really important to you? Like is it like, hey, I wanna I, I wanna feel good or I wanna leave a legacy for my kids. Maybe that's what's important. Maybe mm-hmm. it's entirely maybe it is about power and that's okay. Yeah. But own but own it. Mm. Like 
know it and own it and know the good and bad that comes with all of those choices. If you're all about family, for example, right, and people want to say it all the time, but look, at the same time, if you're really all about family, there are some limits on what you can do, probably, because you have to make different sacrifices. Sure. Or you have to engage with your family in a way where everybody understands the reasons for those sacrifices. It's not all, you know, it's not all good or bad in any of those. No, that's, listen, I think that's powerful as well, right? Because again, like I said earlier, I think there's some, well, you know what? I want to get into, po uh, this brings me, you know, it just rings a bell here that I want to, because I was really curious as you were talking there. I'd love to get your two cents on this next question. Um, I, I want to get to pet coach in a minute because I'm really fascinated by that. But but first, in, in that context, right, because everything you described there um, are, look, you're not taught those things in school. Let's say you don't have the benefit of having had a, a strong, you know, um, family unit that taught you those things growing up. Uh, today, there seems to be so many of these like personal service coaches. It seems to be like this. Like I didn't know anything about this industry until about a year ago. Then I started. <laughs> I just discovered it. It's like it seems like it's really growing, right? And at first, I was kind of like, I just don't get this. But as the more I hear you talk and other leaders like you, because there's such a deficit in learning these things, do you think first is this industry legitimate, or are they kind of snake oil salesmen, right? Uh, and secondly, if it is legitimate, do you think it's something that people could actually gain value from that they should invest in? You know, it, 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 it's a tough one because it, it, um, it, there's so many things at play, right? The, the person on the other side, are they genuinely doing it or did they land there because they couldn't find a job and it was a way for them to do it? <laughs> sure. I, I mean, I don't want to I, I go against the industry, but, you know, people end up in different places for different reasons and the whole consulting world and personal coach thing can have real value in certain circumstances. I've actually, uh, for some leaders that worked for me, I've actually hired them to help. So I've, I've actually hired personal coaches for people. So I believe in it. Mm -hmm. um, in very focused manners where there's tangible expectations of outcome. And again, purposefully, why are we trying to do this? Mm -hmm. What has brought us to this point? What are, what's the key hurdle you're not getting over if you're a VP and you want to be an EVP or you want your, you're a junior person and you want to get up there? What, why aren't you getting there? And if you've expressed concern that you're not getting there or don't know how or why or what, and it's all rational in terms of time frame because God knows there's a lot of very young folks in the workforce that believe they can operate at a level that they just can't. Yeah, yeah. Um, some can, but that, man, that's a tiny, tiny, tiny point, part of the world. Mm. Um, but you get a lot of people that come out and think, well, well I, I, I'm just going to get out of college and I should be CEO of my thing. <laughs> well, you know, sure. like, it's hard. You know? yeah. it's, not, it's just not quite that simple. Um, and so, you know, the, the, you know, I think, you know, the ability to, you know, be, in, you know, be involved at that level, I think is just really important. Yeah, no, that's, look, I think that's a good way to put it, too. You know, if there's if there's purpose and very tangible, measurable outcomes you're looking to achieve, then it makes sense. I, and, and I like what you said about this, because um, you're, you're right. I mean, I, you know, what, the older I get and the further along I get in my career, the more I learn and the more I realize I don't know. You know, like, there's like this awareness, like a gate opens up, and the more experience and the bigger your network grows. So so thanks for that, Brock. But listen, I, want, I definitely want to turn to Pet Coach for, for a bit here. And um, first things first, for the benefit of my audience, can you just tell us a little bit about it, you know, where you started and where it is as of uh, this moment? 
Yeah, so uh, Pet Coach is currently a uh, expert platform to connect pet owners with veterinarians and experts. So uh, things like you know dog trainers or groomers, but mostly veterinarians. So if you have an ability to ask a question and get an answer and get advice, um, that's where we are today as Pet Coach. So you can download the app via you know in, in the iOS or Android uh, store, um, or uh, you can go online to petcoach.com and and kind of gain that sort of scenario. So um, I. I, I liken it to the fact that um, I, I'm lucky enough that my sister's a veterinarian and mm. with my dog, um, <laughs> instead of having to go to Pet Coach, what really inspired this idea was I always called my sister and I'd be <laughs> like, hey, Chris, uh, Boulder, who's my dog, like, you know, Boulder is doing X. Like, do I need to rush him to the vet right now? Do I need to not care? You know, do I need to just pay attention for signs or set up an appointment in a couple days or what? And, you know, she saved me thousands of dollars and endless amounts of hours by just you know, having that call. And so this is really kind of the equivalent of that call. And then our, our, our future expectations is how do we then take those elements, leveraging all of the progress that's happening in the whole telemedicine, human health side, mm. and bring that to veterinary care because there are, you know, consumers want to be able to get information advice on how to deliver care to their animal um, on a more frequent basis. And look, frankly, at the end of the day, the belief is in the core of, of what we want to do with pet coaches, we think that, frankly, there can be, the, the world can be filled with a much greater and more successful pet parents who are happier about owning the pets sure. that they have and the pets that they have are going to live happier and healthier lives. And all of that, to me, I think helps make a better world. So, Yeah, well, it's, you know, as I was looking into it and prep for our call today, you know, the, the approach seemed very communal to me, that it, that it builds atop a of the unique nature of, of, of love that pet owners have for their animals and that, that shared passion that veterinarians have for animals as well so it, it seems like it's pulling those two together in, in, in a more intimate kind of relationship if I might but I, I was wondering is that just me reading into it or is that part of what you're trying to accomplish here absolutely and I you know I think it, it'll and it's fundamental to kind of my career you mentioned it really early on of like you know my, my love for consumer emotion and marketing and how that all comes together in the pet world is you know one of the centerpiece industries around that like you know pets are part of the family there's a high level of emotion there's a high level of conversation there's an enormous amount of involvement without being able to directly communicate mm -hmm. um and that community that's there you know that's around it like look i i have a four-year-old retriever you know when i see other people who have a you know he's actually an english retriever he's all white um and i see other dogs that are you know pure white retrievers i'm like oh hey are you an english retriever owner too oh you know like also like this is like insta friend right yeah, like yeah, yeah. over this animal or you can walk into a dog park and it's like the most social place on the planet like and that's that, that's a lot of fun of the industry it's one of the things i love about the industry it's also what makes it really really fun as a you know lover of consumer marketing now, like that's great i like that and you know i was i was, I was surprised actually excited really to see on your your home page you actually publish your manifesto of pet coach and and you know, I have a couple of questions about that. First, it's a manifesto. It's a little bit more detailed than just a mission. And secondly, it, it's, it reads pretty long. It's about 250 plus words or, or almost 250. So I, I want, obviously, it was important for you to establish that. I could hear it in your voice about how much you care about what you're trying to accomplish. How important is it, uh, is it that document to what you are trying to do at Pet Coach? 
Um, it's extremely important, um, you know, and, and I think because a lot of times I think some of the stuff that we're going to try and do is going to disrupt some traditional ways that the industry has happened. Um, you know, the, the innovation that's happened in the veterinary channel in terms of delivering care has been nascent at best. Um, that being said, it doesn't mean new is bad. Um, though there are a lot of people that will likely tell us that it's bad and there's a lot of people that will probably fight with us as we continue to grow and try and, you know, kind of push on how to get more pet owners engaged in the care of their pets. That doesn't necessarily mean walking into a veterinary office, though there are many times where you should and the only place that you should go is a veterinary office. Mm -hmm. So the point of putting that whole piece together and making sure that it's kind of front and center is for when people really want to challenge who we are that they understand why we exist. And at mm. the end of the day, we care about pets and we care about the health of those pets and we care about the relationship between the pet and the pet owner. Because at the end of the day, pets give enormous amounts of joy into the world and into their owners. And that is generally reciprocal to the pet owner delivering that to their pet. And if we can be a way to facilitate that, again, which is maybe non-traditional, that may not be the way that it's been, that may push some of kind of antiquated regulation that exists there. Sure. Um, you know, look, we're going to have to push that. And so by doing a more expressive thing that's more of a manifesto when somebody goes like, who the hell are these guys and who the <laughs> hell do they think they are, sure. that, you know, somebody can read it and at least get engagement, they'll likely pick it apart and throw it in the trash or whatever they want to do with it because that's what people will choose to do. But it's going to be there and it's written and it's who we are and it's yeah. what we are. We have to be that way. We have to deliver that. That's how we have to be every day. And words are are only on a page are only as strong as your actions yeah. that go along behind it. But yeah, you know, look, it's, it's a, it's a way to plant the flag out there. So now listen, I, I, I appreciate it. I'm, I talk a lot about like mission and purpose on the show, right. And how we kind of, how we kind of make those things, um, accessible to our employees and how we align our execution against it. But I also know from experience that crafting a mission or a manifesto, it can be tedious work that, you know, getting the words right really matters, but the act of wordsmithing seem can seem pointless sometimes. So, you know, was it? So I guess I have a question buried in here about about the nature of driving towards a, a, a mission that actually means something to us. I mean, wh why is that? Why do so many people find that tedium when they're trying to put that on paper? And, and what would you suggest to any leader, you know, whether a startup or whether the helm of a larger team or division? You know, what would you suggest to them as far as making their mission uh, tangible and and breaking through the tedium to get it right? You know, the the um... The use of words and the importance of words, I think, gets lost in our, you know, Twitter culture, our quick hit perspective, you know, on, on what it is. And I think, you know, the, the importance of being able to define words, putting, putting a concept from a conversation onto a piece of paper is really hard mm -hmm. and you it, it's it, it's always sounds easier when it's because yeah, you'll have a conversation with somebody like oh yeah this is super exciting let's <laughs> yeah. let's write it down and then you write it down and you're like that's so not exciting <laughs> yeah. uh, um, like that just didn't document anything that we just talked about and you're like well why you know like i i I mean, part of it, my, my, my wife is a phenomenal writer and, I, and, I, and she writes me emails about like what our kids are doing. And like in three sentences, she transports my world to some other place. Like, you know, she took him to the grocery store and had this funny thing. And I'm like, that was awesome. And I'll send her and I'm like, I had a funny interaction with them at the store. 
You know, like it, yeah, it has yeah. no feeling, right? Like, like, I, like she just does it so much better than I do. And, and, but I think, you know, the point of like, you know, going through with a, with a company and really thinking about it, it doesn't mean, I think one of the things that people get lost on is that you write the word, you post it up there and it's like etched in stone forever. And that's not necessarily true because the world changes, like things start to move and you get smarter. Hopefully you're getting smarter every day. You want to spend time to get it as right as you can out of the gate. You cannot get it perfect. And I think what gets missed is the mm. tedium sometimes people are like, well, it has to be perfect. Sure. Well, it isn't perfect. Life isn't perfect, right? And so how do you make it really important? How do you make sure that's what it is? How do you have the open debate? A lot of times what will happen is people will kind of write up what it is or say what the mission is and say, ta-da, here, team, yeah. here's yeah. what it is. And they're like, huh? Yeah. Like nobody has authorship, nobody has ownership, nobody like spent the time to actually pick it apart. I think you can spend too much time doing it also. I mean, you can go overboard with it where you lose, you get so deep and so mired in, is it this, is it that, is it this, that you kind of lose the purpose that you started out with to begin with. So you have to find that balance. No, I love that. You know, keep it fluid, keep people, you know, uh, again, close to it, right? But let me explore that a little bit. I mean, you know, where our employees are concerned, especially as we grow, I mean, how do we do that? How do we make them feel connected to it so they can internalize it as their own, right? So they don't see it just as a, a, a mandate from on high or, or something that they inherited because they just happened to work there, but something that connects them to what they think their purpose is all about. I mean, again, that's kind of – I don't want to get too philosophical about it, but it's important to keep our employees aligned with where we're headed. I mean, what, what have you done and what would you suggest there? You have to live it. Uh, it needs to be part of your DNA. And, and a lot of times when you, you, you have to start, you know, when you have a smaller organization, it's a whole lot easier when you're at kind of a larger organization. Like when we rolled them out and, you know, we had, you know, 300 people working for us at Pet360, right? You, you had to move into a position where it was more like, okay, we, we've kind of had this overarching thing. How do I have the conversation with kind of the key influencers around the organization? And that does not mean your leaders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It, it may, in some respects, it may not in others. Um, and then for a period of time, the way I described it to my leaders was, if we're really serious about this, and this really is worth all the work that we do with it, then you need to bring it up. You need to bring it up every day, at least once or twice, like in whatever form. Like if it's really about allowing to fail, right, which is a big one for me, and mm-hmm. I think it's critically important in almost every organization if you want to be progressive. Like okay, how do you talk about being supportive of failure? How do you take learnings from failure? How do you talk openly about your personal failure in it as a leader? So how do you bring those things and into the conversation on a regular basis for a period of time? And then it becomes the conversation. You have to force it for a while, so don't get me wrong, right? Sure. You have to really say, hey, did you talk about that today? Did you talk about that today? When yeah. did you talk about it yesterday? Like, make it part of the, the cadence of the office environment and the culture. That all builds into a function where now it becomes part of the DNA, but once it gets there, it, could, it, it should and could and will maintain a life of its own, which is a living and breathing thing, which is not exactly how you set it out to be. But you have to allow that to happen. Again, that's allowing 
failure and risk and sure. letting letting it take its its life. So now look, that's all good stuff. I I I think it's really good perspective, and I don't think people do it enough, quite frankly. And I'm curious. You know, there's a, there's a whole host of new apps out there and, and HR solutions that try to automate this. There's a company called Tiny Pulse out in Seattle that does it with it's like these flash surveys that let you get a pulse on what's going on the in the organization. I mean, have you had any experience with those things? And do you think there's a the technology could help with with uh, kind of injecting these things into our DNA? Uh, look, I, I, I live and breathe and have made my career on technology helping accelerate everything we're doing. So I am a 100% believer <laughs> that it can be added. What gets lost is people think the technology is the mm. solution versus a medium to accelerate what is oh, yeah. already defined. And so I think the tools that are there, and I think a bunch of them are really cool, and I think a bunch of them are really great. Like it's the, you know, it's the virtual high fives, right? It's yeah, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. But that has to come out of the desire and need of what is in the culture, not as a way to drive the culture. And I think what happens is leaders go, oh, great, well, I'm going to put that piece of technology or I'm going I'm to put in a reward system or we're going to give out gift cards yeah. sporadically. Like, yeah. isn't that going to be awesome? And people are going to be wowed and amazed when I give them $10 in front of everybody. <laughs> it's like, and that's interesting, but if it's not the, it's not if it if it's short term, if it's not part of the ongoing culture, if it's not part of the DNA, then it's a frivolous waste of time, um, <laughs> yeah. or, or it's an expense that isn't just necessary, or whatever it might be. You have all these things, but I think again, people, I think leaders, and and I would put them in a position of where they're trying to be great leaders, but they're just not there yet is that they are trying to use alternative solutions which are easy ways out. Being a great leader takes a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of focus every day. And there aren't shortcuts. Yeah, uh, and, and people think that the technology is a shortcut versus the technology being an enhancer to what it is. So Yeah, it's yeah. almost like the guy that uh, wants to play golf and goes and gets the, the absolute best set of clubs or something like that, you know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And look, it's going to make him a little bit better, but it's not going to make him a great golfer. Yeah, right? exactly. Uh, listen, Brock, I want to be mindful of your time, but I, I am, uh, if you'll indulge me, I'm, I'm curious about your, your investment efforts. Is there anything you could share with my audience about one or two of them that we should be uh, you know, keeping an eye on or anything that you're genuinely excited about? Yeah, you know, I've I've been having a lot of fun over the last year. Not 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 I'm busy again with Pet Coach, but you know, over the last year I did you know a, a decent amount of kind of angel investing and involved with a bunch of early stage um, different things. There's a there's a couple different really you know kind of intriguing things. Mostly you know being consumer focused. There's a company I invested in called Very Apt, so V E R Y A P T, which is a a new way for people to kind of get engaged with the rental market and mm. what's going on. There's a uh, a, a, I'll call it a social commerce retailer called United by Blue that I'm really excited about. That's doing things, you know, where you know buying, uh, you know, a, a apparel and wear and other things. But the the outcome of it is helping protect, you know, fresh water in the world, which is a a, a, a naturalist at, at heart for me and an sure. outdoorsman at trade is, is a, a very important element. And then, you know, un underneath it, I've actually been really involved with the uh, Israeli community in terms of a thing called Iconic Labs. Um, in New York, uh, which is an accelerator for Israeli tech companies. And, you know, we brought out some just really kind of fascinating uh, things. There's a, there's a company called Nini Speech, N-I-N-I-S-P-E-E-C-H, which is uh, a kind of tool to help manage and engage with folks on uh, le uh, learning and speech disabilities. Huh. Like, like, 
amazing, amazing technology that maybe hasn't quite gotten to the point of figuring out how to go to market, but just really amazing, change the world type stuff. So um, anyway, lot, lots, lots and lots and lots of fun. So it's uh, entrepreneurs are amazing, and I just I, I feel so so lucky to be kind of around and involved and being able to meet just the amazing thoughts and ideas that come out of this community. Now that's great, and I'll link some of those up in, in my show notes. Uh, and it's just, uh, look, I've, I've loved the conversation, Brock. I can't thank you enough for being on. And just for the benefit of my audience, we've been speaking with Brock Rutherup. He's the current CEO and also founder of Pet Coach. You could find it. It's at Pet. What's, what's the uh, uh, site address again? Uh, petcoach.com. So P-E-T-C-O-A-C-H.com. Okay, so check it out at petcoach.com. He also does some angel investing. I'll link some of those up in the show notes. Uh, you could also check out Iconic Labs. And look, if, if you're like me, I know you gain a lot of value from my conversation with Brock. So, Brock, thanks so much for being my guest today on Lady Matters. It was wonderful. Thanks so much. Yeah.